Welcome to Mouthing Off with Olivia. Hey guys, it's Olivia Caridi from The Bachelor, the girl with probably the biggest mouth you've ever seen. But now I'm using my huge mouth to talk really smart things with my favorite reality stars, influencers, YouTubers, you name it. They're going to mouth off too. Bam. This is Mouthing Off with Olivia. Okay, guys. I know, because you told me on my Facebook page that I'm talking to the most beautiful human alive. Katie Morton is here! Yay, yay, yay. Katie was on Colton's season of The Bachelor. That was 2018. Then Bachelor in Paradise season six. (laughs) So yeah, we've, we've watched her on all the big fun things. But before I get into that, I always like to start with who Katie was before the show. So... You know, dating, relationships, work. Where were you before this thing happened? Right directly before the show, I was working in medical sales. I was in neurology sales, actually. Well, that would be fitting. Yeah. Very fitting. And I was dating. Okay. But obviously didn't find the one. Mm hmm. I mean, I feel like in LA, you're always technically considered dating. Are we not? Like, I'm always, you know, hey, I'll go on a date. I'm always open. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was dating and and then it all happened. It all went down. It went down in the DMs. I got uh, a casting director reached out through Instagram. Wow. On 4th of July, I was like, maybe they're drinking. Maybe it's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't even know this person. So like, okay. So I love to hear casting stories because they're all so different. So you, you check your DM, you have a message. Were you reserved when you went through the questions? Were you like, let's do this thing? It wasn't questions. That's the thing. It was more of like, hey, (laughs) you ever thought about being on The Bachelor? Like it was very, very straightforward. I went down, I was like, hi no (laughs) they're like well how about you come into the office monday and i literally was in the office that monday and that's when you did like your little okay here's my story and yeah that's when i i went straight to on camera i was just like gave the story to Lacey, and then then that was it wow yeah i was sitting on my friend's couch actually tuning out of someone's season of the bachelor don't know who because i didn't really watched The Bachelor that much. I watched Caitlin Bristow's season. Okay. I didn't watch The Bachelor that much really other than that. And so I was sitting on someone's couch pretty much tuning out of them watching The Bachelor when I received this message. We also have Facebook questions as we discussed. So Lauren Bro said, I'd love to hear more about her time as an LSU Tiger Girl. I went to LSU and Tiger Girls were a big deal. I wonder if any of that discipline went into how she's been able to stay normal post bachelor. Okay. This is a loaded question. (laughs) Out the gate. I have a, a really funky memory sometimes. Like sometimes I just can't remember anything, but I do remember fine details of things I don't necessarily need to. Okay. Lauren bro. Did you used to live in Aspen Heights back in college? Because I swear I remember that name of like a neighbor two doors down. Okay. That's it. Okay. Lauren write in. I need you to write in and make sure. <laughs> confirm. <laughs> confirm one. Okay. So my time as an LSU Tiger girl was a roller coaster of emotions similar to The Bachelor. Then it did prepare you. <laughs> it, it, so it did prepare me. It was very intense. I never expected it as a high schooler going into college, to be honest. 
as a high schooler, I was an overachiever mm-hmm. and I still wanted to be an overachiever in a way, but I saw a dance team that they were national champions the year before I came mm-hmm. uh, or the year before I tried out. And I was like, I want to be a winner. I'm very competitive. And I also um, really loved the fact that this dance team didn't actually go onto the football field, that they got to go to football games as a student. Wait, that's huge. Like, okay, I get to be a dancer. I get the best of both worlds. I get to be a dancer and I get to go tailgate all day when I want to on Saturdays and not have like the dance team responsibility. So I underestimated completely the audition. And I'm like, mom, we got to drive 12 hours to Baton Rouge. (laughs) My gosh. I show up and there's over a thousand girls that year. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest. Anyway, I went through it. I made the team. And then I was like, I guess I have to go to school here. So then I went to take a tour of the school. It was a little ass backwards. Wait, so you you were basically accepted to the dance team before you even knew, like, I want to go to LSU. Right. Wow. Is ass backwards. Yeah. Yeah. This dance team seemed cool. I looked at the dance team. I, I saw them at nationals, which is in Orlando, which is where I'm from. So I watched nationals. I mean, it was crazy it was so good they won I was like I want to be them a winner and then I loved it I loved their vibe and then I was like I'm gonna go try out so then I went to audition and then I made it and I was like I gotta probably apply to go to school here (laughs) can you make the team and then apply to school and like mysteriously not get in and then that's what I'm saying I'm like you guys didn't even check my first year was very tough actually it was very mentally tough. I had a concussion in high school and then I got two uh, almost right away in college. And I had, I went, it's just like, that's such a neurological like difference. Your personality, you can have experienced personality changes or like yeah. my anxiety was heightened. So it's interesting because that's when, I mean, your life changes. And then I had like a couple concu- like a couple injuries, few concussions from freak accidents and tricking. Um, I tumbled a lot and <laughs> I became not invincible anymore. I had, when you're young, there's something about you that's like, I can do everything. And then you get <laughs> a concussion here, a broken arm there. And you're like, y'all, it's gonna be one glass of wine for me. <laughs> I keep telling myself that, but it never stops. Leave the limit to four. So if it's one, kudos to you. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I got a few concussions and made all my best friends. All of those girls, it was like, it's the same way you become friends with people on Paradise. Our coach was nuts. She was a genius when it came to choreography, but she was nuts. She was very hard on us. We cried a lot. I bet. We like had in the winter, like 12 hour practices, which is against the rules, but she would like sneak it. It was ridiculous. But that misery, I guess you would say, loves company. So that brings a team together. And I swear it's the same way bachelor people get together. Totally. There's this weird traumatic misery in it that you're like, we've got to stick together to survive. (laughs) I mean, it's very similar. Like that literally prepared you. And I mean, I think that's also how I learned to make friends quickly in traumatic situations, <laughs> like make friends or I guess like help people cope with certain things. Maybe that's just, I don't know, my thing. And dance team 
Um, I actually didn't think about this till recently because I went to my parents' house and there was this jar full of little tiny bright colorful things. And my last day of dance team, everyone wrote me a little note. And yeah, I, I was just like sitting there like, wow. Sometimes I have these days and I'm sure you do too. And I'm sure everyone does where you just feel like nothing's going your way and you don't even know who to call. Mm -hmm. Who are my friends? Do I have any friends? You're looking at the, I look at these little notes and people I haven't thought about in three years. Unfortunately, I still love them, but like haven't thought about in three years where like you taught me this, or I felt this whenever I was around you. And I was like, that's why we live as humans. Yeah. We're, we're constantly like going through different things. We're, we're helping people see things different ways. We're changing people. So that's really what dance team did for me. It was hard for me to time manage. College is freaking hard. Uh, yeah. If you're in any extracurricular or an athlete, I think they need to give people a break. <laughs> there was a video. I don't remember where I saw it that surfaced of, of your team. I don't remember what year, but oh my God, it was so impressive. Yeah, I still am friends with all of those girls. There's two separate group texts. One that I had with the younger girls and one that I had with the people older Cute. than me. Yeah. My yeah. class or whatever, like my freshman class was super tiny because the year before they were national champions. So they didn't bring a lot of people on. But that makes you even more impressive because your class that came in was small. Yeah. And you oh. got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I Out was, of how many? You said a thousand? About a thousand. Okay. Bye. <laughs> wild and I think they picked five of us it's because when you meet people that are on a dance team or something that you have similar interest hobby wise but educationally and like mm -hmm. I guess vocationally you're totally different humans yeah it is so interesting especially with the world right now because I've got we're all dancers so we all have this creative part of us this very emotional side of mm -hmm. us but then I've got a friend who is a social worker in the juvenile justice system a girl in medical sales. So we used to talk about stuff. We have a writer in our group and she's like writes for different magazines. Like there's so many different types of personalities. It's so cool. <laughs> Friends are so cool. <laughs> the other thing I want to discuss is um, we talked about sleep earlier. Mm -hmm. Emily Hugo said, can she talk about having narcolepsy and the process of being diagnosed slash how it has affected her life? I'm so glad you're asking me now because I just now got out of contract to not be able to talk about this off record. Great. Now I can talk about it because yeah. before I had some restrictions. So amazing timing. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So I got diagnosed with narcolepsy at 15. Okay. Uh, I was in high school as a sophomore. I was doing pretty well in school my whole life. And then all of a sudden, things kind of just drastically dropped off. I thought there was something seriously wrong with me because I was so tired. Well, at first, I was like, everyone else is tired. Do you see all these people sleeping in class? But the mm. people that I associated sleeping with class, I was like, those are the bad kids. <laughs> it's like, those kids don't care. I care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're the slackers. I don't want to slack here. However... I am, my head was like bobbing, you know, that feeling you're just so tired, your head's just like falling. I mean, back. I've been there. Yeah. On an airplane, on airplanes, that happens. Your head just like oh, yeah. bobbing. So that's me in class. I'm like, my head's bobbling around. And I'm like, I care. I swear I care. And wow. teachers would give me a zero on an assignment. And I literally would be like, you didn't even ask me to turn that in. 
but they did and I was spaced out. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. So my brother actually had epilepsy from, I guess since he was born, he had birth trauma until he was about nine. So you can grow out of epilepsy. Okay. Epilepsy until he was about nine. So luckily for me, we already knew that there was pre-existing conditions. My mom's dad had epilepsy, my brother had epilepsy. So what they thought was happening was that I was having absent seizures, which are seizures where you just look like you're spacing out. My roommate gets those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For children, those are a very, it's a very dangerous type of seizure. You're killing brain cells, like you're, you're having memory loss. Yeah. A lot of people associate that with like, spacing out and, and parents will typically like snap in their kid's right. face. That happens often. Like people will just be like, my kid just spaces out all the time. They have no idea it could possibly be a seizure. Of course. So they thought, okay, well, we already know you have a history of epilepsy. Let's bring you in for a brain study. So my sophomore year of high school for all of spring break, I was in the hospital with like these little things on my head. Yep. And so they were like, okay, we monitored you for epilepsy. No sign of that, but you for sure 100% have narcolepsy. So they made sure with a sleep study and it turned out I was falling asleep in under 30 seconds and I was going into REM sleep in under two minutes. And typically it takes like at the, the studies at the time were like, that it could take up to 90 minutes to be into REM sleep. And I was taking, I was less than two to seven. Forgive me for being kind of dumb, but for most people, I think they assume like, oh, narcolepsy, that means you could fall asleep like on the, the street somewhere. Yeah, it's that, you know that movie Rat Race? Yeah. The bean guy, he's just like running and then just like passes out. So everyone thinks it's that. Yep. Which, you know, that's narcolepsy with, when you fall down, that's called narcolepsy with cataplexy, which is a little bit more complicated, but I do have cataplexy, but the way my cataplexy like essentially manifests itself for lack of a better term and for easier understanding is that <laughs> my cataplexy, I personally think it's funny. Like some people with narcolepsy, especially it's a sensitive topic or yeah. stuff. I, I cope with humor. So that's just me, but I think it's funny because whenever so cataplexy it comes on the passing out at extreme emotions, extremely tired, extremely sad, extremely happy. So whenever I'm when literally dying laughing, I'll go into a laughing fit. If I'm standing up, I drop to my knees pretty much right away. And I, I get back up almost a second after, but I kind of am like crawling for a second. That's part of my cataplexy. <laughs> because it's weakened muscles and like so my knees literally it's almost like someone just kicks the back of my knees out and I just fall it's a random tiny little um side effect but me ROFLing like pulling on the floor laughing whenever I'm really if I'm bawling crying pretty much halfway through me crying I fall asleep so it looks like I I don't care (laughs) this is just really interesting like it is so when you say something like, oh, you know, I didn't sleep at all last night, like there's, is there moments because you sleep at weirder times during the day, maybe that your, your patterns get mixed up? So, yes. So a lot of the times, and this is a common misconception is that you, because you can fall asleep so fast, that means you're getting good quality sleep all night. Mm. I can fall asleep quickly, but I do stay in lighter sleep. Okay. And things can disrupt me without fully waking me up. So I don't have any conscious knowledge that I'm awake, but my brain's 
kind of going in and out of sleep, similar to when people are snoring and they wake their brains up, right? but they don't wake up. So then you're essentially not getting good rest, but you don't know it while you're in bed. And so when you wake up the next day, it's almost like you kind of didn't sleep, but you weren't having the knowledge of it at the time. So then you're tired throughout the day. So then when some people fall over sleeping, it's because at this point, they didn't get good sleep the night before. They fell asleep fast. They didn't get good sleep the night before. All day, they're going to fight sleep. And when you're fighting sleep, I like to tell people it's similar to the feeling of if you've ever had to pack really late and then go to the airport at like 3.30 in the morning and you're just in the Uber like. Yeah. So if you felt that way all day long, at one point, you're like, I'm just going to I have to fall asleep. I'm going to fall asleep. So that's how it feels for me. But it's okay. So as someone who also did The Bachelor and knows how wild the sleeping schedule is, was it even harder for you? A lot of people think that it held me back a ton. I think what it did for me was affect maybe my emotional state. Okay. Because okay. when you're tired, the more tired you get, the less sleep you get, the more emotional you are, the more yeah. susceptible, I guess you could say you are to crying. Yeah, crying. I mean, tired babies cry. Mm-hmm. It's it's a primitive instinct. Tired adults cry too. <laughs> However, it doesn't mean I couldn't handle the situation. At the time, I felt fine. But because my underlying body was trying to go to sleep, mm-hmm. any overwhelming sense of emotion was going to probably just trigger an emotional, an emotional response. And in my case, that's crying. Some people, it's laughing. Some people, it's shutting down. Some people, it's I got to go take a nap. But for me, totally. I typically, I was, I liked, I, uh, I had a couple of producers, but I was a little bit difficult. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, I want to go, go to take a nap. And I was never really allowed during interviews to just, you know, you can't no. really leave. No. You're talking for hours and all you want to do is take a nap. So by hour five, mm-hmm. I'm hungry and I'm tired now. Mm-hmm. Now you've got me hungry and tired. Of course I'm crying. Don't bring up something that's truly traumatic for me because now I'm really crying. Now I'm falling. So it, it, it was difficult with my narcolepsy, but at the same time, to be totally honest, almost probably better sometimes than most hmm. because I take medicine to stay awake. Right. Some people are just depleting, depleting, depleting. The whole day. I'm depleting. And then I'm like, you know what? I can literally ask for drugs. Unfortunately for them. They come, they drop it off and it's hallelujah. I'm like, hit me with the drugs, which is a whole different thing because stimulants can make you not feel essentially or right. bottle things up. But that's a, that's a whole different thing. So it's, it's just kind of to each their own and figuring mm-hmm. it out. I didn't have too much of a problem with it. I think the one time, I, the one time people talk about me having narcolepsy and associating it with a, is the wills thing. We will talk about that. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's get into Colton. You were one of the three girls that met him on Ellen before the season started. You guys had to like answer some questions or something, and I think you were the one that it was like a roses are red, and you had to finish the rhyme, and it didn't rhyme. <laughs> it didn't rhyme at all. That's called a flop. <laughs> that is okay. You all looked so nervous. It was Sydney, who I love, and then someone named Anna. Annie, it's so funny because what makes 
audiences don't make me nervous. I'm a dancer. But what makes me nervous is overthinking, right? So you're supposed to be excited on Ellen. And the producers are like, remember, when you go out there, get excited. Wave at them. Get excited. I'm like, okay. So my excited energy is kind of like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. But then she's like, but remember, don't say anything funny. You're not funnier than Ellen. And I'm like, so get excited. But, but don't be yourself because you're funny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, like, I, I was like, oh my gosh. I don't know what to do. Weird. I love banter. And I feel like I thought in the moment, I was like, oh, I'm going to love Ellen's banter because I could probably hang. But they're like, and remember, and remember, they said multiple times, remember, you are not funny. Ellen is the funny one. Was was Colton someone that you would say like was your type? Like, were you excited about him? Once I found out it was him, I was excited because there's a lot of stuff that we have in common. Mm -hmm. We were almost automatically friend vibes. It seemed like that. Yeah. It, you did get a first kiss though, right? Or on the on the first night you got a kiss. Yeah, looking back, I can't tell if he just didn't want to talk anymore. Or... <laughs> that happened to me a few times where I was like, I think we just kissed so that he didn't have to say anything. <laughs> oh, he actually was classically someone I had dated. Okay. So maybe when you went home, you weren't like shocked by any means. Oh, no, no. By the time it was, ha oh, by the time it was happening, I said, we're not having a cocktail party because I'm going home. And I, I feel like Colton's going to feel a little too awkward to try and have a combo with me. Yep. And then I'm like, so where's Chris Harrison? And that's why I'm like, I know I was a little bit difficult because I just, anytime producer was like, what are you going to do tonight for the date? I'm like, well, there is no date because there's probably no cocktail party. We're not having it. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm going home probably, right? And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. Of course. So I made everyone have a dance party for me. Love. As, as like a celebratory send off. I think I knew deep down. I just was trying to like deny it when I went home. Yeah, I was by the time I I was probably ready, to be honest. I was tired. Tired is the word. But also, you know if someone likes you. Oh, yeah. The same type of red flag situation where you're with a dude and they kind of are acting like they like you. Mm -hmm. You're kind of trying to make it happen, but you know fetch is not going to happen. <laughs> but you hang on for dear life because you think something might change. I do like to ask this question, though, because it, it ties in. I had a feeling who he ended up picking, what he was going to pick the entire time. Did you have the impression that Cassie was, like, the girl? Not until Singapore. Okay. I literally didn't think it was Cassie at all until Singapore. Who did you think it was? I, I actually, I know it's seemed to be Hannah G, but I thought in Singapore that it was either kind of maybe Cassie or Hannah G, but I never really saw, I guess I, I also wasn't on many group dates with Hannah G. I was on group dates with Cassie, mm -hmm. so I saw a progression, and then I thought hey, maybe Kaylin, but not really. I didn't see, actually, to be honest, I didn't see either. I like that. Because I'm like, if he's acting this way with me and it seems, I'm like, he's got to be doing something behind closed doors because I'm not feeling it deep into my core and it looks the exact same on everyone with else. Everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but Colton was really cool. I just felt like he wasn't opening up and I, I think he said that before. I just, 
He's probably overthinking it. Who were you close with? Hannah G, Cassie. Mm-hmm. I was close with Kaylin in the beginning, and then I was just getting sketched out. But now I think Kaylin has come into her own outside of the show, and yeah. I really love her. I liked her before. I met her before the show. Okay. I liked her for a little bit during, but the show gets to people. So then yeah. I, and it got to me too. So then we had a little tiff, but I really like Kayla now. I think she's in a really good headspace. Yeah. I was really close with Demi and I still am. Mm-hmm. I was close with Hannah B for the most part. Heather. Oh, I love Heather. Yeah. Heather's great. Then Alex Bloomberg. Herpa too. That's a good, that's a good amount of girls. In Paradise, I got close with Nicole because actually, look, Nicole is underrated and Loki so funny. Oh, yeah. She spent a lot of that Colton season with, you know, drama and stuff. So you probably didn't get to know her all that well. No, and Nicole cried the first night of Colton season. And now that I know her, I understand. But at the time, I was like, what's happening? What night one? <laughs> and so I stayed clear. But then in Paradise, I grew to just love Nicole. Let's briefly discuss the tiff that you referred to. It all came down to a conversation that people heard on a bus of Kaylin and Cassie discussing basically of wanting to be the bachelorette or something like that. I will say it doesn't seem like you're the kind of person who ever wants to get involved in the drama. So how did you end up right in the middle of that? You're going to understand this because... Really what happens is I was annoyed okay. to hear it due to my own insecurities of like, you know, I'm here. I want to get to like know him. If your whole premise is to do this, well then get out of here because you're going to like take away from whatever, you know, yeah. essentially. Yeah. But I also knew that the kiss of death is talking about someone else during your one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And it also wasn't my priority because also at the same time, it just made me feel like kind of weird and shitty when I heard it, but not enough for me to really want to bring it up to him. It wasn't a dire need. And I felt like I was, it was more like, hey. You got to tell him at some point. You became the one that had to tell him to save the day. Yeah, and I wasn't really trying to say, I wasn't really trying to, there was no real way of winning that, which I didn't think fully through. Because when I got back to this random hotel room in Vietnam, my producer walks in and is like, Colton's freaking out about who's not here for the right reasons. And I was like, no, he's not. And she's like, would you want to come back and clear it up? And I was like, no, you're trying to trap me. <laughs> you won't trap my ass. And so, and then, so I'm like, I refuse. I order fried rice. <laughs> <laughs> A full platter of shrimp fried rice and was like, I'm waiting for my fried rice. I can't go, I can't be bothered to go back. and. I don't need to be involve myself in this crap anymore. I'm like, Colton can figure it out on his own. He's a big boy. And... Uh, I mean, he did eventually, and it didn't matter because ultimately it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, uh, you can you can be somewhere for the you can actually go somewhere with bad intentions or for the wrong reasons, and end up there for the right reasons. I believe that. Like, I believe that you could show up somewhere for not the right reasons, which isn't a good quality. Yeah. But I do believe that you can still 
fall in love with someone, even if you didn't originally come for that reason. However, it still is annoying to hear people talk about it, but it didn't, I didn't want to throw people under the bus. I just happened to start drama, which I didn't realize. I mean, I heard stuff too, yeah. which is hard, but I, I guess the only thing I did right that whole season was never bringing it up because the minute you do. So you, yeah. you stand by what you heard on the bus, no matter what anyone says. No, I didn't make that up. I definitely heard it, but it doesn't matter because, well, first of all, none of it happened. It was more of me not being like, how about you go fish out who's here for the right reasons? It was like, this is what I really wanted Colton to understand. Are you looking for a wife or are you looking for a girlfriend? If you are looking for a girlfriend, dope. Totally on the right track. Bunch of amazing girls behind me. Every single one of them is ready for a long-term boyfriend that could potentially turn into marriage. Well, okay. Sorry, that's long-winded. No, I like that. Um, Casey Roth said, who else from her season could she have seen as The Bachelorette? Or did you think, oh, Hannah B, like, duh, she win. I actually, to be honest, could see Kaylin. I, I didn't want, I like, there was like an ego part of me just now, like a little bit of ego part of me that didn't want to say it. But like, in comparison, I think Demi would be good and very entertaining. I think Hannah G would be so sweet. And I think that Kaylin is sweet. When she's not back against the wall, I don't think she's going to like make anything up, you know? But like ultimately, when it comes to just herself, if it wasn't a competition with other girls, I think she would have good intentions, obviously. Mm -hmm. Good conversation. I think she's funny and she's very sweet. And she's beautiful. I think that that actually would have made for a good bachelorette because it could be controversial. At the time, I would never have said Kaylin. I would have said Hannah B. But now, I'm like, if it wasn't Hannah B, yeah. I totally see Kaylin also being it because she is well-versed and well-rounded. She is controversial. She is polarizing. But that also brings in an audience. You ended up showing up on the first episode of Hannah B's season, if I remember. Wasn't it you and Demi and you spied or whatever on the guys I did. do you think every season should enlist the help of friends to spy because that was like revolutionary in my eyes but I'm like that could really help I think that would be cool but right now I think I think it would be cool if they made sure that the lead doesn't get a phone because right now I've been hearing that the lead has their phone which then makes it null and void to have the friends spying true and I think the Spy throughout the season, like spy night one. Oh no, yeah. By date four, by not fantasy speak because that's creepy. But like, <laughs> like just in the room watching, taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I think like everything would be a lot more successful if that's what the show actually wants is to come out with relationships. I feel like it would really help. Number one, to have connection with someone, even if it's someone coming to wherever you're filming. Or someone just kind of watching things, like listening in on some conversations, things like that. I don't know about the past few seasons. I thought Caitlyn's, when I did watch it, was done pretty well to her liking. But I don't know. I didn't know the background of Caitlyn's. Mm -hmm. But I, I have heard things and I do know that I don't feel like most of it was for the lead. Like, that, that made me sad. Yeah, of course. Because it all does seem like it's for love. But it's, it seems like it's also just not. 
because it, it just kind of messes people up sometimes, which I don't bite the hand that feeds you. I, I, I think there's a difference between biting the hand and just like being honest about like I'm hearing so many people, you know, obviously I had a really rough experience and um, I don't think I was biting the hand that fed me when I just talked about how much it affected me as the villain. But then I hear all the time. I mean, even like Colton's podcast with with Steve, just hearing him talk about the anxiety that a lead goes through and like how much just the show affects your life. Like everybody talks about this. It's so crazy because I do feel like a Debbie Downer sometimes. I'm I am the type of person to to have a, that dry sense of humor at times, but sometimes when people ask me about the show, I I know they're excited, so I try to uh, respond appropriately. <laughs> but sometimes I just have my days where I'm like, it was traumatic. <laughs> I'm literally the same way. Like I'll sometimes say, people will write me and say, what should I do? for my uh, audition or whatever. And I'm literally like, I am the wrong person to be asking about this because number one, I'd say run. Run. And number two, I'd say, I'll train you because I want everyone to do better than I ever did. I was quote unquote trained in the sense of like, one of my friends used to work on the show and not trained, but they were like, watch out. Cause when you think that you're not being filmed, you're being you are being filmed. So then they told me about like one time a producer sat here and was talking to the person when they were on their one-on-one date. And so they used whatever the girl was talking about to the producer as a Franken bite. So then when I get there, I'm just straight paranoid. The moment I walk in the door, like, mm, can't talk to anyone unless it's the lead and unless the camera is exactly this angle. And that made me overthink everything. Then I'm just like a robot. So you, it, it wasn't going to be fun either way, either... I was going to just show up there and be polished as can be and maybe not have as have fun, but not as much fun, but not get an edit that is actually me or I'm actually myself like you were or whatever you were feeling. And then they just take pieces and parts of yourself and exploit those. And you don't even know it's happening as it's happening. Like you have no idea. And it's so, it's so nuts that they film 24 hours a day and you literally only see 4% of that. Four, I, maybe even less. Maybe two. <laughs> maybe 1.2%. Yeah. And Paradise, I was like, oh, don't overthink it at all. You're fine. Who cares? And then there were parts that they showed <laughs> that weren't great. When you, okay, so when you go to Paradise, you kind of say to production, like, hey, here, maybe here's some names of people that I'm interested in or whatever. Uh, did, did you have any interest in anyone going in or were you kind of flying blind? I had interest in two people going in, both Rachel season. Okay. Alex Forty and Peter Krause. Two very solid picks. Neither showed up. Mm. Christina Marie said, did you ever consider dating Derek in paradise? Your kids would have the most mesmerizing eyes. <laughs> oh, thank you for pre-thinking about our future children. <laughs> No, I didn't think of dating Derek. Derek and I had, we were instantly friends. He was just cool. He was, cool. he was really nice to me. He didn't do anything wrong to me. He was like, we just gave each other advice. So you, you say you didn't watch The Bachelor that much. So I'm assuming you hadn't seen any of Chris's, however, five. Oh, no. Uh, seven? No, I did not. <laughs> Six previous showings. 
Oh, six. Okay. Yeah. Well then when did you start connecting with him? Well, early on, but when I said, where, what season are you from? He said, Emily Maynard, I'm older. He didn't say Emily Maynard, Andy Dorfman, BIP1, BIP2. He didn't list the resume. Right. I've been like flag number one. Yeah. Well, before we get to you and Chris getting serious, I do want to discuss that the Wills moment. Um, Wills was interested in you right away. He wanted to talk to you. He wanted to tell you he was interested in you. It was cute, but he did it with three different people. And I was very confused. And I was also just starting to talk to Chris. And I felt overwhelmed. And it was late. And it wasn't even me being tired or really drunk, which I was tipsy and I was tired. But the thing was, you know how, like, you get this funky paranoia when you just have an interview talk. I, I just had an interview about how I didn't have interest in roles. Oh. And I just had the playback as he was telling me, he sets up this date as he brings me to the date. I'm like, Oh shit. I just start playing back how it's going to look, you know, that's my worst quality. Like, Oh, I'm going to be talking about in this last interview, how it's, I'm not interested. And then it's going to cut to this conversation. So I was more like starting to cry because of the empath in me being like, I feel so bad. I, at one point I said, I'm sorry, they're doing this to you. I whispered that. I said, I'm sorry, they're doing this to you. And he was like, what? And you see him say what, but you don't hear me say that. Obviously the producers aren't going to be like input, input. I'm sorry. They, this click, brown. yeah, no. Yeah. So he was like, what? And I was like, I'm sorry. I uh, don't want to be involved in this. Like I thought they were embarrassing him, but then they embarrassed me, but whatever. I'll take the flack. Yeah, was it embarrassing? Sure, but I really I thought it was quite uh, quite funny. Whenever I cry, I'm not a good one. Like I I can't have full conversation and cry. I can't I can't remember. I think I found it funniest because I watch everything with like um, captions or closed captioning or whatever. And I think that's what was funny because it was all like <laughs> just inaudible mumbling. Okay, so couple big moments with you and Chris you guys are getting serious and I think the the first big disagreement if you will was you saying to him if you get asked on a date you should go why did you say that at the time I worked myself up so much about saying that and so many people were like there goes Katie self-sabotaging and I'm like actually thinking back on it that was my gut being like he should absolutely go like he, if I want someone who adores me and who we're making connections and they want to open up to me, I don't want to be prying things out of them. And like, I was ignoring those little things that I know I need. And that was part of my gut being like, yeah, I am not my ego. Like everyone has an ego. My ego is not going to want you to be with someone else because that's an ego thing. Mm-hmm. That's not a love you thing because I don't love you yet. But you should, absolutely, because that's one, why we're here. And like two, at the time, we really weren't clicking that much. Like I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on what was wrong with it, mm. which kind of lasted throughout. But I started being like, I'm just going to believe what he says because he says he loves me. But I wasn't, yeah, it was a little bit different. And I was just confused the whole time, which meant 
and will forever mean for me that if you're confused the whole time, it ain't right. It ain't right. So you say that. He says, I'm confused, but okay. Jen Saviano walks in, takes him on a date. And then immediately we get clips of you kind of backpedaling or kind of blaming yourself and saying, oh my gosh, like if if he picks her, is this my fault? Was that just more of maybe like... It's me overthinking and producers just asking me over and over. Yeah, because I don't feel like you actually, as you vocalize this, you didn't really worry that much about it. I didn't. And then like I had probably three or four interviews. By the time I was in the magenta dress, it was just like I was... Magenta dress. I was spiraling like I, I I remember at one point I just like folded my arms and started crying because I was like why are you guys doing this I, I, I was like I don't think it's that bad that he's gonna do like are you are you sure what if he picks her I'm like what if he picks her well then he picks her and he doesn't pick me wow I mean are you friend zoning yourself didn't you do this before in your life mm. have it when's the last time you did this when is the time that you're going to stand up for yourself and really really fight for someone. I'm like, this is a fight for me. <laughs> They're obviously going somewhere with this. Well, I personally was like influenced. <laughs> like I was like, oh, maybe it is me. Maybe that is why my relationships aren't working. I had to really unlearn that. I was like, this isn't my fault. This isn't on me. If he picks me, he picks me. This isn't like a battle to the death. We are two completely different human beings, me and Jen Saviano. And I really like her. I think she's so great. I think she's so fun. I think she's super sweet. We got along in paradise. Whenever she wanted to talk about her date, I was like, oops, I'll walk away to make sure that you're comfortable talking about it. Yeah. That this isn't awkward. Can I ask, uh, there was a a one-on-one date with you and Chris where you basically had vocalized to him that you felt he wasn't giving you 100%. In hindsight, could that have been, uh, I don't know, a sign that he would eventually not fill your love tank? Uh, yes. I think that's just Chris, to be honest. Like, we both saw the potential in one another as human beings. And I think that we both checked off each other's boxes. And we both were also a crutch for each other in a time of, like, high stress, high anxiety. Like, I know he had... Um, some anxiety attacks there and I was having major anxiety I think that you latch on to someone that makes you feel good in certain moments or at least understands you and so then you start possibly expecting things from them that sometimes they just it's that's not what their purpose is maybe their purpose is just to be your friend and to be there and support you and because you're latched on for sake of the fact that it was a relationship show, we were maybe making it something more than what it is. I can't, I I couldn't and still sometimes can't tell because it was such a, it was so not reality in a sense, but um, yeah, he, he was giving his 100%, but it still wasn't what I personally wanted. It wasn't the hundred that you need in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, I am going to show up as myself as a whole, I learned that that's how I need to vocalize it because I don't need someone to give me something. I need them to show up as them. I just felt like I wasn't getting out of him himself in a sense. Like I didn't feel like he was acting like as human as he could, if that makes sense. Yeah. He also was very sick in paradise, which is my perception of everything going on. 
So I let a lot of things that I typically wouldn't accept, I let them slack because I would always give the excuse like he's not feeling well. Did you feel like you were ready to get engaged that day? Like, why did you get engaged? Ultimately, no, actually don't. Like I, to be completely honest, I, I, I did question it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I remember being like, I'm, I was reading quotes. You know those quotes you just, I'm such a Pinterest. Same, same. I was reading quotes that I had producers print for me from Pinterest. (laughs) in Mexico on the printer of the hotel and, and I'm reading them and I'm like, I look up and I go, it's not, it's not a great feeling that when I read these quotes, I'm, I personally, because that's how I am and not immediately moved by the situation at hand. Yeah. That, that in my head, I'm trying to match the situation to the quote, as opposed to letting the quote fully affect me and feel what's going on and be overwhelmingly happy and overjoyed. But I felt like this is at the moment that I was like, I do love this person. This is what I feel is right. When I got down there, I actually, I truly was like a truly 80-20. Like I was truly 80-20. I was like, I know that I can bring the love in here and love this person. I know that I do love this person. I know that this, this, I knew the things, but I also was like, there's something still, there's always like this little something. There was something in my head that was like, is it? Yeah. How did your relationship translate to like the real world? Like, obviously you go from the bubble to you're li- dating in the real world. You have a ring on your finger. We tried. <laughs> it seems like it. For lack of a better explanation, we tried. Um, I love his family. Yeah. You know what? I want to just go ahead and start with that because this is nothing against Chris. I think Chris ultimately deep down is a really good guy. He's a really good friend to people. This is why there's a lot of people that will vouch for him because I think he's like a very loyal, honest person. We're just not for each other, but, and there's a lot of stuff that went down that like, mentally we could not be together but his family is so great I do want to say that because there's a lot of girls out there that I notice my friends included that will latch on to people's families mm. they latch on to the idea of the person's family being their family and that's what keeps them there I, I, I think once I once I met his family I was like I get it I loved his nieces I still do from afar. I'm like, I love his nieces. Mm -hmm. His sisters were so great. They were so fun. I was like, these could be my sisters. These are going to be my sisters. I can't wait. I'm excited. His mom, his dad, I'm just loving it. I'm loving the whole thing. I'm loving They're Polish. They're like really, they were so fun, so sweet. I'm like, oh, I see how people get latched on to families. And sometimes, like some people need to take a step back. Because once I took a step back, I was like, we aren't working. I want this to work as an idea, but it's not working. Look at how well I blend with this family. Yes. I'm 100% honest. When I, not that anyone else's hometown was lesser than, but the moment you, the moment I realized, oh, Colton's going to Cassie's hometown, I'm like, sold. I mean, I, I mean, I also want, uh, I, 
a mother and father-in-law that live on the beach in Huntington with the sweetest children and just like super pet friendly. They go surfing in the morning. Perfect. What are we on an episode of Laguna Beach? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the last couple things about Chris was the re- not reunion, but the tell-all or whatever, which was rough. Well, I mean, you were honest. I broke down. Yeah, I mean, Chris asked you about your relationship, and you were very blunt about how that's why I bring up the love tank, because you felt like it was empty, um, you were giving more than you were receiving, things like that. It's really hard for me, because I like to think for psychology people out there, I don't love to think of myself as an anxious, anxious attachment person. Okay. But at that time, I think because of the traumatic experience we went through, I was having I, I was having tendencies of someone that has anxious attachment. So like someone like I'm I it's hard to explain. It's a lot of times when you have like an anxious parent or like there's like abandonment issues, you feel like you latch on to someone in order to it's like yeah. primitive type of thing. And I felt like I needed Chris at times because we both went through this big thing together. We were both engaged. I, the communication, like we went from communicating every day to him not really wanting to basically sometimes go see me like as my fiance and that I should have just, we should have come out of there and set boundaries and expectations right away because then I had this idea of what it was going to be and it wasn't that at all. And that was a little bit on me for not being able to articulate exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I would, which I tried to, it just didn't feel like I was, you know, getting much back. And I know he was sick and I spent times in the hospital with him and it's, it didn't come out how I wanted it to. I felt really, really, really horrible for essentially throwing him under the bus, I guess you could say, because I could have handled that a little bit more privately, but I felt like I had been and it wasn't clicking. And for some reason I felt as though that the only way to possibly save it was to be like, wake up call. I actually feel these things. This isn't me saying this. And just I'm saying it. it to everybody. It was like kind of like a cry for help, yeah. uh, a little bit of an immature cry for help, but like a cry for help nonetheless. But it would feel maybe inauthentic if Chris were to be asking questions about y'all's relationship and you're just saying, everything's great. Well, the producers also kept me in a trailer for six hours. I thought I was going on stage with everyone to enjoy and then just be kind of happy, kind of cringing at our little video that we made because I knew I wasn't deep down happy, but I was just going to like suck it up. I didn't know I was being interrogated for six hours while everyone was already on stage and that their plans were to bring me on stage alone. And their plans were to, by the way, not give me the ring. They specifically did not give me the ring and I asked for it and they said no. And they brought it out to me during the situation at a time when they felt necessary. So it was a very controlled environment in that sense. That also added some drama to it because Chris Harris, like, I was also high, whenever I get stressed, I also just will sometimes randomly cry. So Chris Harrison asked me how, how, why, he said, I see you're not wearing your ring. And I go, and it was like, that was like the breath of like, if I could only effing say it right now. Mm -hmm. So like, part of me was like, when he said, hey, yes, you're not wearing a ring. I'm like, 
you just want to scream. My anxiety was going to my throat. I was like, I'm going to cry. And because I'm like, I don't know how to say this isn't my choice without being like, this isn't my fucking choice. <laughs> you know? And so then Chris comes out and I'm like, I'm in trouble now because I'm like, <laughs> I greeted him. I'm like, hi. And he's like, hey, I had no idea. I'm like, I'm not wearing my ring. I know this is about to be said. Chris Harrison's like, Chris, you see Katie's not wearing her ring. I saw Chris's face and I'm, it was just like so much anxiety for me because I felt like I had so much explaining to do that I couldn't even explain in the moment. In his mind, his mind's whirling now like, why the F is this girl being so dramatic, not even wearing her ring? Is she breaking up with me? All this stuff. And essentially, yeah, maybe I should have broken up with him beforehand or right after, but my, I was never going to break up with him on a live show. I don't think that's appropriate. I also don't think it's appropriate to not wear my ring. It's probably just as bad, but that wasn't my choice. But I had said, I actually said to Chris, like Chris had thoughts that I was going to break up with him. And I looked at him and I said, listen to me, I care about you too much to ever break up with you on a live show. But then I had instilled so much of his trust in me to not hurt him live and like to have this conversation later that the fact that they didn't give me my ring it was like I all the like the playback was like I'm so sorry this wasn't my intention and it was a whirlwind of thoughts in my mind that I just started crying like I was just like I'm tired I've been interrogated for six hours like during that time in my trailer I mean yeah Chris wasn't the nicest person to be honest like totally frank I wasn't in the best headspace at all times after paradise but also he wasn't the nicest person to me at all and i did i definitely deserve more i deserve a lot better he said it actually himself so i'll just take his own words and say i deserved a lot better post that he totally resented me for not wearing my ring on stage which wasn't my choice and then it made the relationship worse and you probably never could get past that never oh i Never. Was it hard to see on social media the response from everyone after that that was basically like, there's no shot, no way? Even though in your mind, you probably knew I'm, I'm already going to end this. It was less, it wasn't as hard to see people say we're not going to make it because it was, for me, that was more of like a, unfortunately, it was more of a relief to be like, I knew this didn't feel right. Yeah. People see that this isn't right. Most of the time, I don't agree with people on that. Like, I'm like, don't think about what everyone else is thinking. I'm like, okay, you guys are seeing it too. Cause like kind of same. The thing that hurt me the most was the fact that people were saying like how immature, I mean, how you threw him under the bus, yada, yada. Who, who throws their fiance under the bus? Okay. First of all, <laughs> y'all have no idea how I, I don't even want to say the things that were said, like said to me and like how I felt and how I was treated. I feel like uh, ultimately I protected some people, but like also some things were not in my control. And so that made me really upset because I never do things with ill intentions. So I felt this similar to the way, not as much, but like this was so much more advanced, but like similar to the way, like with the Colton thing, like I didn't mean to throw Kaylin and Cassie under the bus. I was just saying like, dude, reevaluate what you're thinking. And then all of a sudden it was like, Katie said, Katie became this whole thing. Yeah. And so like, I don't bring my ring out because I don't even, I'm not even allowed it. And now I'm, 
this immature girl throwing her fiance under the bus. And you can't even really talk about that. And I couldn't talk about it for two years. <laughs> and so I was like drowning in. You carry, you carry a lot with you for sure. Yeah, but I feel free now. I'm glad you thank you for giving me the six weeks. Yeah. Sam Knight said, do you stay in touch with Chris? Is there an amicable friendship there? Absolutely do not stay in touch with Chris. It's the only ex-boyfriend I've ever unfollowed. But I unfollowed him back. I just don't know. So he unfollowed first. He unfollowed me. <laughs> but I know he was probably very mad. And he unfollowed me at a really hard time, like in the beginning of quarantine. I know I know there was a lot going down with like his business and stuff. Um, and we were like still like just like there was like last things like I think at one point he like commented on my social media and it got picked up. People thought you were flirting. Yeah, I was like, not I just don't want this. And then he was like, I was just being funny and I was stressed. And then I think he got more stressed because he had outside work stuff so that it was just like cut. Uh, Meg Kessler said, what did she learn from her relationship with Chris about herself, what she deserves and or what she wants in a future partner? Be very, very clear about what you want from the get-go. Don't falter. Don't ever be with someone if you're not your whole self. So I don't believe that something like paradise is necessarily for me because by the time you're at the end of it, you've lost pieces of yourself throughout, no matter who you are, to be honest. Like there's literally, maybe there's like, there's someone super, super, super strong, but like, there are still pieces that are traumatic for everyone, including the people that are successful. Yeah. And, and how many people is that? Not terribly many. <laughs> because you essentially, there's like whole pieces. So show up as a whole, stand your ground. Don't second guess yourself, trust your gut, and ultimately find the joy in something every day. So I did do fun things in paradise that they didn't air, and I would always make a musical. Cute. I made a musical every day in the pool. And I would have a show. <laughs> I always try to ask people to do talent shows with me. And I felt like I was seven. But there was only so many ways to pass the time without drinking. The Tostada musical popped off and people sing it to me. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could do a whole podcast just talking about like the fun things that no one sees. But I wish we could show more of that because people really want to see that. People's the bloopers and the extra behind the scenes stuff. Those are everyone's favorite thing, I feel like. Yeah, they should have an entire episode, one hour straight bloopers. Just bloopers. I guarantee it's there. You guys, give me two percent of sales on that one because I guarantee it would hit. You'd have just as so. Say the episode airs Monday night, and then Tuesday night is just one hour of bloopers, behind the scenes, haha moments. It would have just as much viewership. I think more. We need to do a poll on your podcast. So after this, do a poll. Like, would you? watch this season or like this episode or a bloopers episode lauren bro would you watch that episode lauren. tell us lauren please okay i have two more questions alice lauren said does she feel like she was screwed out of having one and only one engagement or proposal you know what i think to be completely honest i think who cares same I think that was a part of my life. And sometimes I do get a little self-conscious if I'm ever like talking about like, dating. I'm like, oh, the gauge. I whisper it, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little ashamed. Gotta go. <laughs> then. Gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. But then I'm like, then I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, I was engaged. 
You know what the response is? Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm not anymore, if that, if that matters, because I think it does. <laughs> and they're still like, eh, cool, still. Yeah, we're cool. And yeah. it, it really, the, the guy you want to be with ultimately isn't going to care about that because they're going to realize that you recognized what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy you're going to be with isn't going to care if you got a divorce. The guy or have kids. So I don't think that matters, but sometimes I am a little bit sad about it, but it doesn't haunt me. Do you see yourself crushing on slash dating someone in the bachelor world or would you prefer just having a quote unquote normal person? I don't see myself seeking out bachelor nation, but I could see myself with a cool chill person from bachelor nation. However, it's not something I got to like make happen. Courtney Jackson said, what is the biggest misconception that's out there about you? That I'm an immature communicator in relationships. <laughs> I'm going to go real specific. Because I like, I think that with my friends, along with my lovers, boyfriends, fiancés, I communicate well. But I did, the parts that you saw weren't, weren't, weren't great some of my lower moments but they were really fishing to catch me in those low moments of course at 3 a.m after day drinking and night <laughs> okay well last question i promise it me i i first I'm, I'm not big into bachelor anymore because i'm kind of like jaded and you know I'm just yeah traumatized but i i have caught up and there was an episode that i watched where actually you tweeted something about people basically just being racist and um talking about the color of your skin and as someone who was bullied for other things on social media i can't imagine being bullied by fans for also the color of my skin yeah so what is it like being a black woman in this franchise That's a really good question. Being a black woman in this franchise is a different experience in the sense that the audience that you have is very, I I believe, and I've seen and I've felt that they're much more critical. Yeah. I found that I had instilled fear of being labeled if I ever got any sort of aggressive. So like, For example, Demi can totally fight someone with her words, and she's Demi. Mm. If I fought someone with my words, I'm aggressive. So as opposed to being like, she's feisty. If someone called Demi feisty, but me aggressive. And that type of thing I've dealt with my whole life. Is a microaggression in itself. So Yeah, microaggression in itself. I've dealt with that type of person. It's it's interesting because unfortunately, Fortunately, I grew up in a hometown that was decently racist. And I kind of understand the audience. Unfortunately, I'm kind of almost PR trained for the audience, which is very unfortunate because it's a sense of losing yourself, your culture a little bit sometimes in that in that way. Um, I do feel... Like we're more harshly criticized. Um, I also feel that there's also little microaggressions where all the black girls are supposed to end up with the black guys, which is so bizarre. It's like, oh, Katie and Wills, Katie and Mike, Katie and Wills, like Katie and Mike, and that's it. I noticed that. Yeah, I mean, which 
they're both beautiful humans as humans. Don't get me wrong. And their eyes are, their girls' eyes are really gorgeous. Oh, like, yeah. But I notice a trend, and that's not people trying to be racist, but it's a microaggression in itself. It's this weird placement of like what's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, which makes me feel pressure. I also feel pressure when I am attracted to a white guy, and then people are like, what? Why don't you like the black guys? And then it's this pull. Then that's the mixed race pull. Of oh, yeah. Which side do you choose? type of thing which it's not it shouldn't be that way yeah it's very interesting I did notice the, the people in Bachelor Nation in general are really here for the relationships so the moment you I see trends like in the following which I don't care about my numbers in the sense of my popularity but you can see trends obviously if you're a human being the moment I broke up with Chris 30,000 down the moment uh racial uprising starts happening I'm I'm down 20 more thousand and that's very interesting to me. If, I mean, I don't have a huge platform for it. There's a part of me that felt very, I called Rachel Lindsay at one point and was like, I feel paralyzed. I don't know how to speak up about this in Bachelor Nation. I don't know how to speak up about this in my life because this has been my life. And she's like, yes, same. I'm like, it doesn't feel like news to me. But at the same time, I'm all of a sudden supposed to wrap my head around everything that's been going on my entire life and cause good trouble essentially as said by John Lewis and I'm like I just have to talk about my experience being mixed because it's been very like tearing me in different directions so yeah as a person that is a black woman and a mixed person in bachelor nation it's been I've been torn down the middle at times feeling like I'm being put in places to where I'm choosing things that aren't supposed to be choices in that sense well and there's something I've always noticed just when you bring up something like following right like you know to me Rachel Lindsay is one of the most powerful women in Bachelor Nation just one by her I loved her season but she's doing so much I mean she's got tv shows podcasts sports you name it she does it all and still somehow has not hit a million followers it's beyond me. That that actually makes me furious to the core it's because crazy. she is eloquent. Oh. She's so educated. She is um, in the now. She's very relevant. She is enticing. She is a workhorse. She's and insanely talented. All of every media platform as a host. And this girl's not breaking a million. Not followers. breaking a million. There's a problem right there. That's an issue. Huge problem. I want to know sometimes what her analytics are because I bet there are they're so high with people that are just seeing her stuff, but they're not really down to follow. Oh, totally. Yeah. There's people who are just, they come on to creep right quick and then they're not down to follow. Like let give the girl some support. The fact that there's just a distinct difference. Like there's a lot of people actively being racist, but there's a lot, a lot of people that aren't understanding that they're not being actively anti-racist. anti-racist yes. And they're not doing the due diligence. So, for example, Breonna Taylor situation, mm-hmm. there are so many people talking about it and so many people reposting it. Apparently, there was millions of people that reposted, like 11 million people or something, but only like less than a million people that actually did something. That starts to worry me for things like voting. How many people are all talk, no action? Oh, so many people so many people and so, so it does bother me in the sense of like 
how many times have I posted something like, Hey, microaggressions guys, like, do I, should I be posting it more so that it really drills it into people's minds? Because I really am kind of not wanting people to call me like the whitest black person they know or an Oreo because I'm white on the inside, which, what does that mean? I'm educated, but black people can't be, what is it? What are you trying to say? So yeah, sure, it's a microaggression, but people don't realize that yeah. it's racist. And so I wonder how many people actually like read through the information or actually doing the educational aspects. Not enough. Not enough. Um, so if you're out there listening, just do, um, if you ever went to high school and had to do current events, do a 30 minute current event in the morning, 15 minutes of reading, 15 minutes of summarizing on a piece of paper. You can throw the piece of paper out, but just to, like, just to see if you can absorb the information. Well, this has been really wonderful. Thank you for for chatting and for being candid and you. I'm so glad we're doing this because I you guys I say you guys because <laughs> the, the whole the live audience is here and all but <laughs> you guys I have never even talked to Olivia on the phone Mm-mm. until like what you guys are hearing this is our first this meet. is this is our first meet cute this is our first date and I feel like we're, we're gonna have a second that we're gonna have second third fourth there was chemistry <laughs> tell everyone uh your social media wherever they can follow the things that you want them to follow all right my thread up account okay <laughs> my uh... code for 20 percent off <laughs> my instagram account is at katie emo katie mo k-a-t-i-e-e-m-o and then my twitter is just at hello katie mo regular Katie Moe and my TikToks at Hello Katie Moe and my YouTube's at Hello Katie Moe. <laughs> Way to keep it nice, even keel across all platforms. Thank you guys. Thank you for Thank having me on. You. When do you want our next day to be? Um, whenever. I'm generally free. <laughs> I'll give you a call. It'll be yes. good. Yay. Katie, thank you. I'll text you on five minutes, okay? Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.